Wow. Brenda, thank you. What a way to start a Sunday morning worship. My name's Dee. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a joy to uh, welcome you as we have a number of people that are still helping get ready for our big afternoon of chili cook-off, um, which you'll hear more about later, and others that are still coming in trying to find the last donut bite before they make their way here. But it's great to have you here. Just wonderful. Um, I would encourage you to let your heart begin thinking about uh, Jeremiah 3131. That's where we're heading for a portion of the service this morning. Um, you may not know what that passage is, but it speaks about God writing God's laws on our heart and our mind and trying to live into that and through that and try and figure out how that relates to us today. So that's part of where we're heading with the service this morning, but before we get there, we want to prepare our hearts. We want to shift from uh, total focus on what the Padres have done this week to um, what God is doing in the coming week. So living into uh, worship, living into prayer, living into a heart that's turned to what God is doing in us and among us. To that end, I invite you to join me in an opening prayer and then join in singing if you would. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you once again for a time set aside to worship you, for a place set aside to gather in your name, for a group of people to live among, to help, to serve, to be served, and somehow in our community to honor you, that this community then would spread the great news that our neighborhood, our city, our state might be different because we have lived out faithfully your call in our life. So this morning, hear our voices, hear our prayers, hear the music. May it be a sweet, sweet offering lifted up to you. Thank you, Lord. We praise your name. Amen. Good morning, church family. Would you stand with me before we start worship? I want to bring your attention towards this verse on the screen, First Chronicles 20. Would you read it with me before we start? Yours, O oh Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O oh Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Amen. Would you sing this?
the saints adore thee casting down their golden crowns across the glassy seas cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee who was and is and evermore shall be lift your voice Worshiping the Holy One, the one that was and is and is to come. As we continue in our worship this morning, I'm gonna invite Cheryl up to read a psalm for us today. Not a psalm, actually Luke 18, one through eight.
Thanks be to God. Thank you, Cheryl. Present yourself before God this morning. In your hearts, in your minds, come before the Lord with humbleness. Eager to learn, eager to listen. inspired by these words from Paul in 2 Corinthians. Through our troubles, Lord, we put our hope and our trust in you. The one who sustains us, the one who renews us day by day, be open to the ways in which you are working within us and among us. We put our hope in you, Lord. Let us sing together. In all this pain, I wonder if I'll ever find my way. I wonder if my life could really at all. Oh, we lift our song and our prayer to you, Lord. All this earth, could all that is lost ever be found? Could a garden come up from this ground? People crying out in hope. And you make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. Sing all around. All around. Hope is Redeemer, you 
understanding my life is in the hands of the maker of heaven I lean not on my own understanding my life is in the hands of the maker of heaven I give it all to you God trusting that you'll make something This morning, uh, we will be introducing a new song for this church, a new song to lift to Christ, to lift in our hearts and our worship together. And this is a song that actually is inspired by and comes from one of the hymns that we just sang earlier, Holy, Holy, Holy. Um, and it's a song that's been speaking to my heart um, the past couple months. And I'm really excited because I think there's such grounding words to this that just constantly engages our focus, engages our awareness of the one that has created it all, the being, the holy, holy, holy one. And so I'm going to have me and Ashley just sing through the chorus. Um, and then after that, we'll go through the song. You're not going to know the verses in the beginning, but don't let that hinder or stop your worship there. Let those words speak over you. Let those words inspire your worship today. Here's the chorus. Singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is filled with glory. You're the King of all kings and forever will be. You're the King of all kings and forever will be. Yours, O oh Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For yours is the kingdom. And Lord, we lift our adoration to you one of whom which everything comes from, the one who is over all things. The ancient mountains crumble, the age-old hills collapse, your presence fills the temple with your glory, your glory. Sing holy, holy, holy is a Filled with 
this morning. We pray and sing and worship you in your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now before you take a seat, I want to invite you. One of my favorite lines of that song is, the earth is filled with glory. 
And some of the ways that we see God's glory is in the beauty of God's creation, the beauty of circumstance, and the beauty of our lives with one another. We see the glory and we see the character and we see the peace of God in one another. So let that inspire you today as we invite you to pass the peace of Christ to one another. Go and pass the peace. Good morning. So good to be with you this morning. As you continue to pass the peace of Christ, we want to pass that same prayer, that same peace onto our kids as we dismiss our kids and our youth onto their next part of their service. So why don't you pray with me this prayer that's on the screen over our children. This is my prayer for you, our children that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Amen. Kids, youth, y'all are dismissed. It's good to be with you this morning. We got a lot going on in the life of our church, but before we get to that, I'd love to point out this wonderful, beautiful, very cute dino QR code that is on the screen, that is in your bulletin. Uh, that takes you, if you wave your smartphone over it, uh, to a link, just to a simple Google form. Uh, if this is your first time here, if this is your 100th time here, we would love to know that you're here. And if there is something that you'd like your pastoral staff to know, something going on in your life, a prayer that you might uh, want uh, prayed over you, this is a great way to let us know. It's confidential. We look at this as a pastoral staff, and we pray for those uh, prayer requests that come in. So please use that as a way to communicate with your pastoral staff as well.
a few other events going on. Uh, Wednesday night activities are up and rolling. Our kids got the kids choir going on. Joyful Sounds is practicing. We've got our adult U courses going on. Would invite you all to those Wednesday night activities. But we have uh, coming up a different kind of class, which is our membership class, which is going to be on Saturday, October 29th. 8.30 in the morning to 11.30. This is just a, a time that you can come if you're curious about our church, what it is to be a member, or if you want to know what we're all about. This is a great way to find out. Uh, come in the morning. Dee, are you going to be providing breakfast? There will be items to eat. That is what I've been promised by Dee. Okay, that's a lot, but we'll, <laughs> there's going to be something for you if you come at 8.30. Um, and this is a chance for you to find out more about us. And if you want to join at the end of that time, we would love to have you be a part of our church. Second big event coming at the beginning of November, November 4th, is our Parents' Night Out. So if you have kids, you can uh, bring them on that day, uh, and there will be plenty of people to watch them. This is a time for parents to get out. It'll be uh, $10 uh, per child, and it'll max out at 20 So if you bring three kids, great, still $20. This is a RSVP ahead of time kind of a thing. So you need to make sure that if you are going to be joining this, you uh, RSVP by October 28th. We want to be able to know how many uh, adults to have to supervise the kids that are coming in on this. So please let us know if you are a parent that is going to be joining in on this. Let us know by October 28th. Lastly, and this is probably the biggest, which is today. Today is the chili cook-off. Yes, give it up for the chili cook-off. This is... This is one of my favorite Sundays. Not only is it a time to eat delicious chili and to be a little bit judgmental towards the chilies that we eat in the judging contest. It's okay, we're judging chili. Um, not only is it that, but we get to come and fellowship together. And this is a fundraiser. The real reason we gather is to, uh, to create funds for our kids to go to camp and our students to go to camp. And as one who oversaw students going to camp uh, as a youth pastor here, it makes a big difference. And all of the funds that are raised today at the Chili Cook-Off go towards our kids and our youth going to camp. Uh, not only for those who volunteer and earn credit for camp, but those who couldn't afford it. Uh, there are some in our midst that are part of our, our ministries that can't afford uh, $300 to go to camp. And so it's out of this fundraiser that we're able to scholarship some of that amount for those kids to go to camp. So after service, Dee will give you a few more directions, but there is going to be uh, several tables, if you didn't see them already, a lot of tables out there that will, um, will help you get in. It's going to be $5 uh, to, to be a part of it. But if that's going to keep you, if that $5 is going to keep you from joining us, don't let it. Just come in. Be with us fellowship, eat some chili. Uh, as I said, this is a fundraiser for us. We're going to get uh, some directions, as I said, from D after service. But know that this is the biggest fundraiser for the children's and the youth department as they fundraise for camp. So I'm really excited about this. Hope you're uh, looking forward to it as well. I'd love to invite Kelsey Shalen up to give our scripture reading for this morning.
Good morning, everybody. Um, I apologize, I lost my voice at the Padre game. Uh, so bear with me. I'm reading from Jeremiah 31, 27 through 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will plant the kingdom, kingdoms of Israel and Judah with the offspring of people and of animals. Just as I watched over them to uproot and tear down and to overthrow, destroy and bring disaster, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. In those days, people will no longer say, the parents have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. Instead, everyone will die for their own sin. Whoever eats sour grapes, their own teeth will be set on edge. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. When I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their hands and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. The word of the Lord. Go Padres. Thanks, Kelsey, Cheryl, Praise Band, all of the people who have participated in this. It is a joy to be with you and to dig into a passage that I started when I realized this was a passage that was coming with a great deal of excitement over some of the things that are in this passage because it's got some just powerful components to it. And I just probably need to confess right at the top that the more I dig into it, the more unsettled I become, and the more I want to just sit in it with you and collectively as a community say, and now what? Maybe that should have been the title of the message, not Sour Grapes, but and now what? Let's jump in to Jeremiah chapter 31. Um, a little uh, shorthand history portion to kind of get us to this place of where we are in Jeremiah. And uh, the first time this was presented to me, it was uh, the ABCs of Israel's history. So the ABCs, A, you don't even remember all of the dates, but in 721 BC, the Assyrians come down and destroy the northern kingdom of Israel. How did they get to two kingdoms? Well, after the three kings, Saul, then David, then Solomon, the kingdom splits into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. So there comes a point in time where the Assyrians come down, A for Assyria, come down and destroy the northern kingdom. The people are dispersed. And in some ways, the hope is by the conquerors that they get assimilated into the places where they have been sent. 
So now all we have is this destroyed northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, sometimes referred to as Judah, that still exists. Well, about 140 years later, first in um, 787 and then, pardon me, 797 and then in 787 and then in 782, the Babylonians come in and lay waste to the southern kingdom. So B for Babylonians come in and take over the southern kingdom. This time they're taken away, many of them in slavery, in these kind of three different shifts. The temple's destroyed. Jerusalem is just pummeled. But the people are not so much assimilated as they are given permission to serve Babylon, but remain a group of people. Eventually, the Babylonians give way to Persia and King Cyrus. There's the sea. The Assyrians, the Babylonians, and King Cyrus. And gives them permission to go back to Jerusalem for those who want to go. And then we have the stories of the attempt to rebuild. Well, we are in the midst of the B portion of this history where the Babylonians have taken the southern kingdom people into captivity, and there are others who didn't seem to um, be valuable enough to the Babylonians to take away that were left and remained in this decimated country with no political structure, no religious structure, no societal structure to hold them together was... A mess. They had to figure out how to survive, and the people in captivity had to figure out how to survive. And there were prophets who spoke during both of these times, Jeremiah being one of those prophets. Jeremiah being left behind, but in the passages we're looking at, he sends a message to those who have been taken captive and speaks about a day that is to come. Okay, those are the ABCs. Hope you can remember that for the test that's coming up next week. Then there is another piece that I want you to know about. And that has to do with this context of Jeremiah's words where he talks about a new covenant that is being made. The word covenant, the covenant that exists between God and God's people, can be a covenant between two people, that word. But we have the old covenant and the new covenant. And sometimes we appropriate that and try and use it in particular ways, but what it meant at this point in time was a reference to the covenants that God had made with God's people. And there are several of them that we can find in the Old Testament. There is a covenant that was made at the time of Noah. God, God made a covenant to all of God's creation. And so the people of God are included in that covenant made with Noah. There is an ancestral covenant, the covenant made with Abraham. I'll give you a land and a I, I will bless 
your progeny, the, your descendants, they'll be more numerous than the sands of the sea, the stars of the sky. I will bless you so that you might bless all nations. The Abrahamic covenant. There was certainly the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. We here have a new covenant that Jeremiah is talking about. It's the only time, I think, in the Old Testament that there is a reference to the new covenant. And it probably would be cautious to not make an assumption that this new covenant is addressed to all of us today who are followers of Jesus Christ, and this is what the new covenant refers to. However, we do have three, Old Test- uh, three New Testament writers that reference this as the new covenant. And the writers apply it to that which Christ does. There's nothing in here that indicates the people of that time were necessarily thinking of this. But here's one of the problems with this Old Testament passage. One of the reasons why it's so difficult and leaves me so unsettled is that it feels like this promise that has been made isn't fulfilled in the lifetime of the people to whom it was written. Now, the New Testament references. We have one at the very end of Luke where Jesus is with the disciples on the night he was betrayed. And he references the cup that he passes around. And he says, this is the blood of the new covenant. A reference back to this passage, it would appear. Paul in 2 Corinthians 3.6 says that we are ministers of the new covenant. Well, we ought to figure out what that is if that's what we're supposed to minister. Hebrews in chapter 8 and 9 speaks of Jesus being the mediator of the new covenant. And if we go back to Jeremiah, it says this is the covenant that I will place my law in your minds, I will write my laws on your heart. No longer will you have to refer to something outside of yourself, but pay attention. It seems to me that this fits with so much of what Jesus says. I think in particular of one of my favorite passages, John 14, where Jesus says, if you obey my commandments, my Father will love you, and we will come, and we will make our dwelling place in you and with you. This notion that the Spirit might write within us, that it might be possible for us to live from the inside out into the truth of God and not be constantly dependent on somebody telling us what's right or wrong, but God's Spirit interpreting for us and leading us from within. I don't think this is exclusively talking about that all of faith now is individual faith. Because it's clear that the Spirit dwells not only in us, but within us. And because of that, as the Spirit leads, it's not only the Spirit leading from the inside out, but it's also leading 
from the inside of the community of faith outward. So what feels problematic about this for me? Well, there are a couple things. One thing that feels problematic is the fact that it doesn't appear what's referenced has come fully to pass yet. It talks about in those days. It feels like that's similar language to in that day, often referred to as in the year of our Lord or in the day of our Lord or in that approaching day. Over and over again in Scripture, we have these references to that day, that time, that year, and it feels like cloaked language. Many think that it's a reference to the year of Jubilee. That passage in Leviticus chapter 5, 25 that talks about something that is declared by the Lord as a time when all things get restored. The year of Jubilee. It's an easy chapter to just read past. It's an exciting chapter. It's a challenging chapter. It's a chapter that was supposed to be put in place that would take place every 50th year. So there were seven sevens, 49 years. And then on the 50th year, on the Day of Atonement, the trumpet would sound. And when that trumpet would sound, a number of things took place. Debt was forgiven. Property was returned to original owners. Slaves were set free. The list goes on and on of the numerous things that were to take place. And there's no evidence that it ever took place. Inside the Hebrew people's realm of influence, inside the Christian realm of influence in another era, outside of either of those venues, The year of Jubilee just sits there in the Old Testament and it makes you wonder. Over and over again, almost as if we're not allowed to say the year of Jubilee anymore because it's not mentioned the word Jubilee anyplace else that I know of in Scripture. Almost as if it went underground. This hopeful time. Oh, I wonder when. You know, that year, you know, the year of our Lord, the word we don't say because nobody really wants to do it. In fact, all kinds of things would go wrong if that was actually put in place. It's what leaves me so uncomfortable with this passage. What then does it mean for me? Part of what's so difficult with this is the passage, well, all of it is, but all set free, all debt forgiven, land returning. Here's one of the pieces that strikes me. The language of Scripture sometimes wrestles, and I am not a linguist in this area at all, in any area, but this is what I understand, that a culture of that time, 
the language for debt and the language for sin had such an overlap that it was difficult to distinguish between the two at times. Thus we have, it seems to me, a rather difficult time with the Lord's Prayer, where sometimes we say the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and in other times we say forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. The notion of debt and trespasses or debt and sin have this intermingled understanding in cultures that precede us, but cultures that would hear and understand the Scripture. I remember at age 19, I was off at college and uh, felt like there was a need to build credit. And my dad had a friend who had uh, a long time standing history with Sears and Roebuck. And I'm not sure if it made a difference or not, but I filled out an application for a Sears credit card. First credit card I ever got, and I have Elmer Broding to thank for that. And I don't think there's been a day since age 19 that I've been out of debt. <sighs> Thanks, Elmer Broding. Now, a lot of that has to do with other things that have nothing to do with Sears, but I still blame Elmer. That's okay. I need somebody to point a finger at. Slavery, in the context of Israel, or many cultures at that time, came about in two ways. One, you were conquered by war. Two, you owed so much that you couldn't pay and then you were in servitude to the one to whom you owed the debt. Israel was not very good during this time of winning wars, but they were real good at getting people in debt and in servitude. It's part of the prophetic utterances against them, the way they treat one another. They are in exile, it appears from the prophetic word, because of their sinfulness. The way they had moved away from what God had intended and had become like all of their neighbors, and in some cases it appears maybe worse in some of the arenas. Part of what makes this so uncomfortable is I don't know what to do with it. I'm telling you what seems to unfold in these passages. I'm not proposing that next year is the year of Jubilee, but I do know that this passage leaves me in a place where I have to wrestle with this about what it means, forgive me, Lord, my debt, as I forgive those who are debtors to me. Forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who have trespassed against me. Forgive me, Lord. Which takes me to the very end of this passage. It is the basis for the covenant that God is making with the people. I will forgive you and remember your sins or your debts no more. 
This is God's act of jubilee toward you and me. I feel I become so insulated in the way I live that I ne neglect to realize the depth of my indebtedness to God. And so forgiveness, hmm, what do I need to be forgiven for? Have I done anything wrong? I mean, I have, but, you know, <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> and, and so, I, I'm not so moved by the covenant. The, the offer, the basis of this, the people who are in captivity and exile, it's hard not to see it, it's all around them. They are in a place where they can't help but see consequences. Not insulated very much, but, but we're all in desperate need of forgiveness. And to recognize the, in, the depth of the need of forgiveness leads us to the depth of gratitude, which leads us to the challenge that God sets before us, and that is live a life that's forgiving. I, I honestly, I don't know what that looks like for us. I, I'm not trying to indict anybody, and, and the struggle with this is that the language here of Jeremiah has such strong political overtones to it. My attempt isn't to be political. It's simply to say, what do we do with this? How then do we live? A spirit of generosity, a spirit of kindness, a spirit of recognition of the need for forgiveness. Maybe it leads to a spirit of hope. It's an incredible challenge for us to say, is it possible that the spirit of jubilee begins to enter into the community of faith? What prevents us from stepping into places where we have room in our head for somebody else's opinion, room in our heart to consider that somebody else's motivation may not be what mine would be in that situation. Space in my life, margin for generosity, to be compassionate, to realize the ways in which the world has been compassionate toward me. I entered into this world with nothing. I'm going to exit this world with nothing. What a gracious gift the years in between have been. And what would it be like to see through the eyes of Jubilee and try and find some small way 
that I can live into this covenant that God invites me into. The Lord's Prayer passage, it's fascinating. It's the only portion of the Lord's Prayer that it seems like the gospel writer needs to give a further explanation to, or maybe it's that Jesus needs to give a further explanation to, where he says, if you forgive others their indebtedness, your heavenly Father forgives you. If you don't forgive them, your heavenly Father doesn't forgive you. Or shift the word. If you don't forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father doesn't forgive you. All of this feels so awkward. But in the notion of indebtedness, if you don't forgive somebody else the debt they owe, then it's not forgiven. I mean, it is in your hands. And I don't even know what the indebtedness is. We can look at it individually. We can look at it corporately. We can look at it through the lens of nations. All of those bring out various implications of jubilee. Does it mean an end to all commerce? No. Does it mean an end to an economic system? I don't think so. I think it just invites us to ask hard questions and say, what would it be like to participate in the year of our Lord? An era where we say, I'm just going to look for and listen to the opportunities to be the new covenant, having been the recipient of the new covenant. As simple as God's grace to me, mm, God's grace to you. God's love to me, oh, undeserved. God's love to you. God's forgiveness to me. Really not deserved. Really not deserved. Oh, then, Lord, help me to be quick to forgive others. Take away my heart of assumptions, my prejudice of motivations, my way of seeing through a lens that's just my own. Oh God, I know it's undeserved, but please forgive me and help me to be a jubilee person that's learned how to forgive. Let me offer a word of prayer for us. Then I'll give a few closing words of instructions and a closing benediction. Lord, I am amazed that your desire for us to be a forgiving community always 
always, always begins with your offer of profound forgiveness toward us. Bring to mind the many ways in which we need that forgiveness. Open our eyes that we might see the ways in which our own thoughts and actions have placed us in exile. For Christ, you are the mediator of the new covenant. A covenant that gives us a clean heart. A heart that can have you write on it the way in which you would have us live into Jubilee. That we might live from the inside out, individually and collectively. Your spirit born again within us igniting within us a passion to live free. Free of the indebtedness that weighs us down and free to participate in the freedom giving toward others. And God, history has shown us that we don't know how to do this. Generation after generation, instructions don't lead us this way, but your spirit dwelling in our heart will allow us to become jubilee, to receive it ourselves and to share it together. Oh Lord, may that spirit set us free, that we will not be bound, but will find a promise to return to the promised land of freedom. This is our hope. Lead us in discussions and conversations of what that might look like. May it prompt things this week that we never thought we would talk about because we've been with you, we've been with each other, and your spirit, ah, your spirit is at work. And for that, Lord... We are grateful. Amen. Amen. Instructions for the rest of this morning. In many ways, this is uh, the gathering together across the table. I hope if you didn't come prepared to stay, you'll stay anyway. I hope if you're feeling awkward that you have nothing to contribute to a auction. Doesn't matter. It's great for those that do and will, and all of that will work out just fine. We'd just love to have you come join in with some chili. We'd love to sit down with you over there in the Family Life Center. As you exit, and there's no rush, but we make our way out those doors and into the Family Life Center, where all the tasting tables are around. The tasting tables are not to fill up your stomach. There's not nearly enough food at the tasting tables for that to take place. The food will be served out the kitchen window in the breezeway, but this year we're doing it a little bit different, and that's we're going to dismiss large areas of the Family Life Center to go get the food um, and to help yourself in that line in the breezeway. 
at the, toward the end of the eating time, we'll start in on the auction. We hope you have fun. We hope this is enjoyable. We hope a few dollars are raised to help kids. But most of all, being together helps us to be better. So we hope you join in. So let me offer a blessing over the food and over us. Would you stand with me for this? Lord, I certainly ask that you bless the food. May somehow it help us to be a better reflection of your kingdom and of your day, your year. May we be jubilee people in all that we do this particular week. Lord, will you pour out your spirit on us to dwell in us and to live in us. And may the ways in which we've been forgiven, loved, and bestowed with grace be the ways in which this week we love, forgive, and offer grace. And for that, we praise and honor you, O Lord. Amen. Go in God's peace. Enjoy a great afternoon. See you over there.